We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. It is Monday, the best day of the week, and not just any Monday. We're coming off of everybody having a few days off, and I hope you all had an absolutely blessed, magical, wonderful, in fact, I hope it was the best Thanksgiving ever, just to enjoy a day that the left is desperately trying to get rid of, and that is Thanksgiving, which, you know, I'd been wondering for a while why, you know, I couldn't find any Thanksgiving decorations. I mean, it literally went from Halloween to Christmas with no Thanksgiving decorations. And so I hope that you, particularly in spite of the left, really enjoyed your Thanksgiving. And in the midst of it, I hope that you and everything going on, I certainly hope that you had much to be thankful for. I know that I do. And one of the things that I'm most grateful for is you guys every night of the week right here with me on the Andrea K show. If you miss any part of the show, don't forget our podcast, which you can find wherever you are shopping for your pods. Email me at andreakshow.com, andreakshow.com. I hope that my partner here, how many of y'all out there decided to try to Google a recipe for this? I don't know. He's kind of unique. So you can probably only get a taste of it right here on the Andrea K show show. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only DJ Sesame Broccolini. I love me some Sesame Broccolini. This guy, fiery like a dragon. Like a dungeon dragon. High heat. Sesame Broccolini. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a little while since I've heard that. Oh, happy Cyber Monday, by the way. I'm not sure if you're shopping around for any good deals right now, but there's still time to find. Yes. I have an I have an idea for you. Thank you. See, see, y'all. This is why DJ Sesame Broccolini is my sidekick because he just never misses a beat. I absolutely have a phenomenal Cyber Monday hol- holiday deal. I'm not the biggest cyber shopper, um, so uh, I don't know if you are. Most people I know are really into the cyber shopping, and so when I saw this, I right out the gate, I got I got to share this with y'all. And I know especially the Andrea Keisha listeners and we conservatives, we're the kind of people that like self-improvement. We believe that we can always learn more. We believe that we, we are going to continue to learn to the day we die. It's not just about self-improvement, but it's about wanting to learn from others uh, and from other people's experiences, from their wisdom. How can we incorporate that into our lives? So if you are looking for that, I have the best Cyber Monday deal for you. It's a masterclass deal and it features 
Hillary Clinton a course on, quote, resilience <laughs> in a reading of her 2016 victory speech. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I saw this earlier today. And this is not a joke, by the way. This is like an actual real offering. Here is what Yahoo Life how they described it. Hillary Clinton's life-changing advice is the best holiday gift on sale for a limited time at Masterclass. <laughs> how much would they have to pay you, Sesame Broccolini, to endure a Masterclass by Hillary Clinton? And a Masterclass in what? Riding a man's coattails as he boffs every chick in his orbit on the way to the White House and while he's <laughs> occupying the Oval Office? Is that what she's good at? Handling bimbo eruptions? Is that what she's good at? <laughs> <laughs> How about foreign policy debacles? She's uh, she's very good at handling those, it seems. Uh, I don't know. I kind of dug when she was out going on. She was on the dance circuit, and she was in Africa, and she was hitting up the dance floor with every, you know, chica uh, across the African continent. <laughs> 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 okay, let me read a little bit more. The package includes, quote, barrier-smashing leader Hillary Rodham, Rodham Clinton reading her 2016 acceptance speech. My fellow Americans, today you sent a message to the whole world, uh, reads the bizarre video teaser. I mean, I, this has to be a joke, Sesame. I mean, how do you teach a master class on a fail? I actually think she might be stuck in the past. I, I mean, she... <laughs> cannot get over 2016 and i think part of it is probably because all the pollsters said 99 percent chance she's gonna win she's gonna win i think she actually and for, for honestly to her credit many in the democrat party today just cannot get over that and it explains so much of what we're seeing today all the persecution and the targeting and now this uh newest scandal with new york city's uh, mayor eric adams who was once donned the Biden of Brooklyn, who's now um, being accused of some very interesting things, all because he's taking a stand against illegal immigration and promoting cops. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's all very interesting. But yeah, I, I, Hillary is just someone who cannot get over the fact that she lost. I honestly well, think that because she felt entitled to that election. She thought that she deserved it and she was the only smart choice on the ballot. And that Donald Trump guy was ridiculous with talking about illegal immigration and these forever wars. But I, I don't know what you would think about what her take is on on on. I just don't understand what, what she's doing anymore, really, with her time. Is she is she trying to be an influencer still within the Democrat Party? And does she have any influence left? I mean, do young Democrats look up to Hillary Clinton um, like maybe a generation ago? I, I don't know. But in my opinion, she's just stuck in the past and refuses to move on. And that's just such a na that's the nastiest part of it for me, honestly. Well, well, it's well, for me, I'm I'm reminded of the fact that and I'm not going to endure the 16 video lessons in, uh, totaling <laughs> three hours and 23 minutes on, quote, how to overcome setbacks and build a life of principle and purpose, <laughs> principle, principle. <laughs> principle and purpose. Uh, you know, I, I, it, I would spend a lot more than three hours and 23 three minutes just on the Clinton Foundation alone, and then being the world's largest uh, charity scan fraud and scandal ever perpetrated on the world. Um, uh, principle and purpose, of course, does not involve staying married to a man that you know is, you know, sexually assaulting women, just so you can have a little piece of power, right? 
Um, <clears throat> but I'm wondering if principle and purpose also involves her continuing to deny that she actually lost in 2016 because the guy who actually won has been indicted for doubting the outcome of the election in 2020 and, quote, inciting uh, unrest and I can't remember the language, but in the in the indictment, they actually accused him of creating doubt in our election system and saying that that is actually criminal. Uh, this she's not just living in the past. This is also her continuing. When you're when you were selling a masterclass and reading a victory speech, you're still pretending that you won. So let me know when uh, she's ready to face some indictments. Um, I had to start off the show with that you, laugh. But just, I actually, do you think she buys into her own? Like, do you think Hillary drinks her own Kool Aid? Do you think she's totally bought in on this narrative that she peddles about being some sort of strong, self-made, independent woman who's breaking down all the glass ceilings that have been placed in front of her to prevent her from from having some sort of success in life? Do Do you think she really buys into this, or do you think this is something that's just you know, pro-establishment propaganda designed to to fool the sort of useful idiots that go into this kind of thing. I mean, do, I, I'm curious, like, do you think that she really even ju- buys into her own narrative or is this just something she's pushing because she knows it's going to work? Tip, I think what happened was I think that she was steeped in, she went to Wellesley, I believe, right? And I, she was steeped in this faux feminist movement. And I think that she literally bought into the notion that she had to sign on to this patriarchal system and she had to play along with it. And if she did that and she paid her dues enough that she eventually would be handed uh, the White House as a result. And, and she and the system was working to that end. And when Donald Trump came down the escalator, it was like, Oh, snap, you know, but she still thought that the system was going to work for her benefit. She still and here's what's so hypocritical. I believe she actually thinks that the patriarchal system um, was what she had to buy into because she couldn't make it on her own. Um, The reality is that she couldn't make it on her own without the very system she despises because she is so unlikable. Hillary Clinton could never make it to the White House. It's not because this country hates women. It's because nobody would vote for her. She couldn't, it, she, uh, and this, in spite of the system being completely rigged for her with, uh, after Trump came down the escalators with Crossfire Hurricane and, you know, all the rest of it, um, she, and she really thought that the system was going to reward her for playing the the role of the wife of Bill Clinton and everything that she did for him and everything she did against the Republican Party when she blamed the vast uh, she blamed uh, the Clinton uh, Lewinsky stuff on the vast right wing conspiracy. So that's my take. That uh, but she knew that she did. She knows that she did not win. She knows that Russia did not collude with Trump. She knows that that the DNC and her outfit paid for the smear file. So, no, she she does. She knows that she lost. So. All right. Um, We got to shift gears to the uh, the criminals going on and what's happening and update and what's happening over in not criminals, but the terrorist happening over in Israel over the weekend. Well, you know that uh, there was a deal that was reached uh, going into Thanksgiving weekend that Hamas was going to release 50 hostages in exchange for 150 Hamas prisoners that were going to be released. 
And what a lot of people don't realize, they heard over the weekend, oh, 17 hostages were released, 14 of them civilians, one of them a four-year-old American girl whose parents were brutally killed. What a lot of people don't, don't know is that almost immediately, almost immediately Hamas started playing games. They, I mean, the game started being played the second that they slaughtered Jews and, and uh, took the 250 bargaining chips with them called hostages. I questioned last week whether or not it was a good idea to negotiate with terrorists. Immediately, lots began to play games. They dragged their feet. They initially said that they released the hostages to the Red Cross, who then backtracked. The Red Cross said, we didn't receive any. And then they backtracked off of that. They claimed that Israel was not fulfilling their promises of humanitarian aid and fuel, only to then dribble out 17 hostages on Sunday. This is what happens when you negotiate with terrorists. Why would anybody think that the terrorists were operating in good faith? Particularly since the terrorists are not just Hamas. One of the ter- one of the hostages that was released is a 25-year-old Russian Israeli whose aunt told a, a radio station that he had actually escaped from Hamas only to be found four days later by Palestinians, civilians, who handed him back over to Hamas. After the 17 uh, civilians were released, Israel released 39 terrorists, some of whom, one of whom actually had, was a failed suicide bomber, a woman, 36-year-old, who tried to detonate her car at an entrance at the West Bank, injuring at the police officer and might have killed others. I don't know how many. And that person, the majority of them uh, that were released were terrorists who had killed or attempted murder, one of which is already reportedly back working with Hamas. So, of course, questions are now being asked. I mean, they took over 250 hostages. What's the end game here? They're just going to dribble them out and in the meantime, continue to kill more and plot to kill more people? The Biden administration is being asked, you know, what's the status of the other Americans? We don't know, they're saying. Hmm. We don't know. We know that the Biden administration, actually Obama supposedly is involved in working with Qatar, who's actually the in-between and uh, who's actually the middleman between the U.S. and Israel and Hamas. And Qatar actually has direct ties to Hamas. As somebody, I'm grateful to the Lord and grateful for the safety of those that have been released. But this really raises some big questions as to the end game here and whether or not this is playing out well. Right now, Hamas is winning the game. There's a game being played, Hamas, and Hamas is winning it. They're winning the messaging war, and uh, they're also winning the game here in terms of on-the-ground maneuvers. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk to my favorite national security analyst, John Guandolo, former FBI intelligence officer, and more who will be here also of the organization understanding the threat and he's going to be here written many books on sharia understands this ideology and understands this issue better than most people we're going to get his perspective i want to hear from you guys do you think that this has been a good move these negotiations or not email me at andreakshow.com andreakshow.com Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. 
Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. With everything happening over in uh, Israel with the hostages and the release of them, the games being played by Hamas. Of course, I had to reach out to John Guandolo to bring him on the show, my favorite national security expert. You know, if you're a longtime Andrea Keisha listener, you've heard him before. He's a former FBI national security consultant. He helps identify and dismantle domestic and foreign threats in local communities. He advises governments, everything related to national security, and particularly the global Islamic movement. In fact, he's a co-author of the book Sharia, The Threat to America, and also author of the books Raising a Jihadi Generation and Islam's Deception, The Truth About Sharia. He is a member of the Veterans of Foreign War, the American Legion, and the Force Reconnaissance Association. He served as a guest lecturer at the Joint Chief Former, the Joint Forces Staff College, and at the U.S. Army War College. So you think he's got the creds to talk about this? Absolutely, indeedy. All right, John Guandolo, thanks for being with us on tonight's Andrea K. Show. Absolutely. It is always entertaining, and I hope informative for your audience to be on here yes. with you. Um, So, John, last week when I heard that a deal had been struck to have a cessation or a truce while for four days uh, to where 50 uh, hostages being held by Hamas would be exchanged for 150 terrorists who were in prison in Israel, I got some heat from people that thought that I shouldn't be questioning whether or not that was a good thing. And the reason why I questioned it was because terrorists don't negotiate in good faith and it only enables them and encourages them from a variety of different standpoints and, and a variety of different, a variety of different means. And then we fast forward and they played games for days. They were supposed to release 50, release 50. And then it was, Oh, we did. We gave them to the red cross. And then it was like, Oh, Oh, psych. We didn't the psychological warfare that they played for days. before They finally released 17. In the meantime, uh, 39 terrorists have been released, some already reportedly back in the game. And I, you know, I have to reiterate uh, my questioning. There's a reason why we're not supposed to negotiate with terrorists, John Guandolo. And as happy as I am for the families to have their loved ones home, I have to wonder what message this sends to the world and, and how many more people will die as a result. Right. So I think um, your inclination to question the decision. First of all, questioning any decision. Um, I do see there are some people out there uh, who think uh, the government officials of the, the the government of Israel, you know, we don't, we have no idea what they're, well, they're, it, it's still a government that's making decisions for national security. So they can make good decisions and they can make bad decisions. I think when you're evaluating, when anybody evaluates such a decision, um, you have to look at who are the real players and how do they negotiate? Do they negotiate ever in good faith? And if they do, what's that look like? And what's the backdrop for how they make decisions? And here's what we know. Uh, We're talking about Hamas, a... Uh, which is defined in its own covenant, the Hamas covenant of 1988, defines it as a the Palestinian wing of the Muslim Brotherhood. Okay? And, of course, 
their covenant sounds like a Muslim Brotherhood document because it is. And what do we know? We know that, number one, their objective, their only objective is to establish a global Islamic state under Islamic law. And they, now whether you want to sign this to the broader Muslim community or not, irrelevant. What Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood say is they are required, and according to their documents and their doctrine, all Muslims are required to wage war against non-Muslims to establish an Islamic state under Sharia, and that it is obligatory to lie to the non-Muslims in order to advance this cause, and that Sharia drives every decision-making thing you do. Well, if that's true, then let's look at what war fighting, the Quranic concept of war says, and what about truces? And what it says is you only make a truce if it benefits the Islamic community, and you can only do it if you're in a position of weakness and you can't continue combat operations because you are stopping the waging of jihad, which is obligatory. So they did this because they recognized they can not only get a propaganda victory, but it gives them time to get their stuff together. So if and when combat operations resume and the fact that the Israeli government would do this to me is abhorrent. It's appalling. It's absolutely appalling. It means they don't understand. And I mean this. I know there are people that will hear this. we like, oh, you're telling me the Israeli government doesn't understand Hamas? And I'm going to say, yes, I am saying that because I've met with Israeli government officials. And when you talk to them about Sharia and what it says about war fighting and what it says about truces, they're as clueless as our U.S. generals and the British generals and the French generals. They have no idea because they've never actually looked at it. Just because they're being attacked by these people all the time, they may know their tactics. But it's clear to me that a lot of the leadership in Israel does not understand this, the strategic impact of Sharia and how it literally drives this entire global war. And Which so means, excuse me for interrupting, John. Yeah, no, go ahead. Well, I was just, before I lost my train of thought, um, first of all, you're absolutely right. Just because they're surrounded by these uh, these evil forces and the you know bombing them doesn't mean that they understand or accepting uh, the ideology behind it. And um, I did lose my train of thought, and I was going to ask a question about it. Um, I, I think that I think that one I, I think an example of the fact that they have lost, uh, they don't have an understanding is that the fact that this could happen at all in the first place, that, that when you, when you've got Israelis, just, just, just the fact, even forget the border for a second or the intelligence failures, the fact that they are so liberal over there, surrounded by people that want to wipe their entire nation off the map. And yet Israeli citizens are not allowed to, to, uh, uh, were disarmed. And they have strict strict gun control policies over there is is an example. And the fact that you have had Israeli leaders over the years thinking that a ceasefire could could last or thinking that that a two state solution could work. When you understand that the ideology, when they chant death to Israel and that and you understand the ideology 
And that is that there is nobody compatible with no other government that is compatible with Sharia. Only until you understand that can you understand what you're what you're dealing with. And they still don't. I I think that's absolutely right. And I know uh, working with guys that work with uh, both the IDF and and Israeli intelligence who have uh, when I was in the FBI and, and there was cross training going on between the Israelis and the FBI and, and other government agencies in the military. They have a lot of good men and women uh, on the ground. And the people on the ground, like I would say here in the United States and parts of Europe, that they do understand. Uh, but but the leadership is uh, they just think, you know, it's you know, there are some that are good and some that are bad. And when you watch um the response of Israeli leadership and the fact that they think the, the, the fact that you, they think they can negotiate at all. These, yeah. The ha- Hamas and Al Qaeda and ISIS, they need to be wiped off the face of the earth, as does the Muslim Brotherhood, as does Tablighi Jamaat and Jamaati Islami and the other Islamic movements, whose stated objective is to destroy all un Islamic governments and kill if necessary to do so. And that is a statement of war. But I think uh, the leaders of the West in general, and I would say almost all of them, with the exception of maybe a few, have demonstrated that they're cowards, that they have no backbone for the war that we're in, and they have no desire to defend liberty and to defend the innocent people that live in their countries. They would rather let savages come into their countries and things that I briefed to the Pentagon and to senior government officials over 17 years ago is now coming to pass in Europe. And now you've got European leaders in 2023 saying, hey, maybe we never should have let all these Muslims in who told us they want to destroy our country and kill Mm -hmm. us. Yeah, no kidding. And they're saying it here. And and John Guandolo, they're saying it right here in this country as well. We played the audio last week of an uprising in New York City to where they're saying we're not even hiding it anymore. Islam will be forced into every American home. That is our goal. There is nothing compatible in the United States and Western civilization with Sharia. And that is the goal. The Muslim Brotherhood said that they wanted to place, replace the Constitution with the Quran, and they mean it. And And we, you know, and this isn't, and that's the, we are not in a war against Al Qaeda or against Hamas or against Hezbollah or against the Palestinian or the Boko Haram or whatever they are. There is an ideology within Islam that we are fighting and it is large and they mean it. And, you know, and, and we don't have, we have very few elected officials in the United States who are willing to, to say that. 30 seconds, wrap us up, John Guandolo. Well, I think until you identify the enemy that's been fighting us, certainly since 9-11, but until you actually identify the enemy, this is what I was have been briefing for now 20 years. In order to defeat an enemy, you have to identify it. The enemy is Islam. It's, it's normative and universally taught Islamic doctrine, and the people that are Sharia-adherent Muslims, and they're the ones who are in the streets. And their collaborators and their financiers. This is what we're up against. We have a very organized jihadi movement and a very organized communist movement. And they're working together at the ground level in every city just about in America. 
And so it's only at the local level citizens can uh, can fix this. So I encourage people go to johnguandola.com, and if you'd like help, I'll help help you train your community. But uh, man, the time is is short. Yes, and Christopher Ray has already admitted that Hamas terrorists. We've known. I mean, at least what. 60,000 special interest aliens have poured across our, our, our border. So many from terror infested countries, they gave them a little special name, special interest aliens. And they're not coming here because they want to become America and eat barbecue. Okay. That's not why they're here. John Guandolo, thank you for being here tonight on the Andrea K show and for sharing your wisdom and what you've been trying to share with the government for many years. And I appreciate you and all you do for our freedoms. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. And then you guys, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we've got more to talk about. So don't you go anywhere. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, FM 96.1, and streaming all over the world. Andrea K. Telling you like it is while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. I'm just—I was just sitting here during the. Oh, I forgot to tell you, sesame broccolini. Guess what I got for uh, a little Thanksgiving gift from my peeps? I got the the official cookbook from the Dutton Family Ranch from the TV show Yellowstone. What? My friends, yes, my friends knew I had to have the cookbook because the chef's nickname is Gator, which of <laughs> course <laughs> his he's nicknamed that cuz this dude is from Cajun country. And so his nickname is Gator. See, a lot of people ask me, and oh, why'd you name your dog Gator? You know, that's, you know, that's the, the mascot of Florida State. And it's like, we have gators in Louisiana, okay? And we love our alligators. So, yeah, I can't wait to try some recipes from that. What was the best thing you ate this Thanksgiving? Ooh, the best thing that I ate? Yeah, what was your favorite thing you ate this year? Mm, I have to say the desserts, the dessert selection was was. Primo and uh, some warm pecan pie <gasps> with uh, with just a little bit of French vanilla ice cream. One for the French vanilla instead of the vanilla bean. Worth it. Um. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm gonna forgive you by the way because we don't usually put any anything on our pecan pie. Okay, okay, all but right, all right. I will forgive you for that because you're a Yankee. Of course, we <laughs> you know we consider anybody who's not from the South the Yankee. So I'll let you put ice cream on your pecan pie. Okay, what else? <laughs> uh oh well the sweet potatoes were really good the turkey was really well done this year too we did our own turkey uh for the first time ever we we cooked it ourselves and it turned out to be really really good so i'm happy about that awesome um i was really surprised i went to visit friends in the desert and i was surprised that my friend katie's mother who's from norway originally um, in fact, I think she sp- spent m- uh, most of her childhood, you know, non-English speaking really? Norwegian, and she banged out a phenomenal Thanksgiving dinner. Don't let you don't let anybody fool you into thinking that you got to be born here in the state. She's a naturalized American citizen now and super conservative. Um, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's how how this Norwegian lady bangs in a phenomenal Thanksgiving dinner. It's the conservative. Dinner. That's what it is. Because <laughs> she's very conservative. So anyway, um, I loved everything. And and she made some of my new favorite sweet potatoes. I've never seen it done this way. Um, they were pan fried with some butter and brown sugar. Really? <laughs> yeah. It that was sounds like, good. Ma! 
mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Okay, enough about food. Although I could do a whole show on food. Um, we Before the break, if you missed it, you're definitely going to want to download the podcast. We have my favorite national security expert, former uh, naval officer, intelligence, uh, you know, been briefing the government and, uh, you know, on uh, Sharia and terrorism uh, going back 20, 20 since 9-11. Uh, John Guandolo. So definitely you're, you're going to want to listen to that. Um, there's a lot of pressure on Benjamin Net- Netanyahu right now. The IDF has come out and said today that they failed their citizens over there. And they did. There was a massive intelligence failure. We know, obviously, the United States of America knew. How else can you explain us having reporters from the Associated Press, CNN, Reuters, multiple large media outlets sitting on the backs of bikes with terrorists embedded. Remember in, in uh, during the Iraq war, how we had, you know, U.S. journalists embedded with, with U.S. military? That's what went on the day of the terrorist attack. So I, 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 I just, my gut tells me that if the U.S. government knew, and they had, somebody knew, right? Um, Cause how did the, all those, you know, journalists end up on the, with the terrorist, um, IDF came out today and said that admitted they failed the citizens. There's a lot of pressure on Benjamin Net- Netanyahu to resign as a result. Um, I don't know the workings of Israel. I'm not sure what's behind that. I believe he is the, I don't believe that he knew this in, it was going to happen in advance. Do I think that there's possibly some bad guys in his government, given how le- left and liberal that they are, as you just heard from John Guandolo? I think that's a possibility. I do. But I absolutely think that Netanyahu is the right leader for this time. I think he was built for it. I think he was made for it. I think this, I think this is his fight and his battle. And I was wondering today what, you know, he had said, we've got, we've got an extension now of the truce. They've gotten themselves into this negotiation game. Netanyahu has said that he's going to wipe, you know, Hamas off the map. Is he going to be able to do that now with this hostage situation? Well, here's what he had to say today about Hamas. If you want peace, destroy Hamas. If you want security, destroy Hamas. If you want a better life for the Palestinians in Gaza who've been hijacked, uh, by Hamas, destroy Hamas. Uh, all of that is a precursor to the question that you asked. You first have to get rid of the poisonous regime, uh, as you did in Germany, as you did in Japan yeah. uh, in World War II. These were two. There's no choice. There's no choice. Uh, so uh, that, that's this, a prerequisite. Yes. No but, but then look at what happened. I mean, what you had in Germany was denazification, and what you had in uh, Japan under uh, uh, Douglas MacArthur was a cultural uh, reformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Japan that you visit today is so different from Japan of the 1930s. Yeah. Germany that you visit today is so different from Germany of the 1930s. Well, is that possible in the Arab world? And I categorically say, of course it is, because we've seen it already in two places. We've seen it in the Gulf states, and we see that when you visit Dubai or when you visit uh, Abu Dhabi, uh, or when you visit Bahrain, you see something entirely different. Sure. There was, in fact, a cultural change there. I don't know that I, I agree with him. I think he's the right person for now in order to get rid of the poisonous regime of Hamas. But do I think that that area can be rehabilitated in a way like Germany or Japan? No. And the reason is for what I just talked about with John Guandolo, the ideology there. They could already be Dubai. 
They have some of the best beachfront beachfront property that's even better than Dubai ever was. The difference is, is that they spend their time and all their money that's been given to them from humanitarian, from the United States and beyond, and they use it to kill Jews instead of development. And by the way, over in Dubai and United Arab Emirates, are they really advanced culturally? Uh, not so much over there. If you understand how the leader in, in uh, Dubai, by the way, uh, you know, um, what was his youngest daughter? 13 over there. Um, even the Americans living there. Uh, you're not allowed to buy liquor. I mean, Sharia is, you know, there's, there's, it, it's still, it's, it's advanced by way of that ideology, um, but not really. So I, I disagree with him there. And I think what, and, and so what concerns me with that is going forward, uh, you, you know, um, going forward, you have to understand the ideology and here, and here's, and, and that 70, some 75% of the Palestinians support Hamas. So you're going to get rid of Hamas and then you're going to do what with the, with, with the 70, with 75% of the Palestinians that are, are they now going to become the next Hamas? What do you do with that? These Palestinians found a Russian hostage and gave him back over to the terrorists. The Palestinians cheered and gave a hero's welcome to the Hamas terrorist that were just lining the streets with Hamas flags and just gave a hero's welcome to the terrorists that were released from Israel. I don't know. This can be that area is, is the same as Germany and Japan. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, Whoopi has gotten in on the discussion. <laughs> in case you want to laugh, we're going to play that for you next. Dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on the answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. One of the reasons why, uh, before the break, I was saying that I disagreed as much as I love Benjamin Net- Netanyahu. Um, I think that he kind of. Proves a little bit of what John Guandola was saying correct and that not really understanding fully the ideology uh, of what he's dealing with in Gaza. And one of the one of the issues is um, with this ideology in Sharia is the subjugation and the hatred for women going on in, in, in Sharia and in this ideology. They believe that nine year old girls can um, be uh, brides, and they implement that in Sharia. There's female genital mutilation, in which 12-year-old girls have their private parts mutilated so that they're never able to enjoy sexual pleasure. Women are stoned for being raped when they're the victims. And uh, as Hamas terrorists have admitted to uh, the IDF and others, that they feel that they have the right to rape the women like they did on the October 7th, as well as what they have done to the female hostages because they are dirty and they treat them as such. That's the ideology of what we're dealing with there. And when this subject came up on the view with the alleged ladies there, uh, here's Whoopi's excuse for why the Me Too movement has been incredibly silent as to the terror that's inflicted on women, not just in Israel and like what happened on October 7th, but in general with this ideology. 
I am still devastated. We're two months since this war has been underway by the silence from women's group in this country about the rape being used as an act of war in this attack. The fact that sexual violence was used against Israeli women in the major women's groups in this country have not come out and denounced it. This weekend, Sheryl Sandberg put out a gripping video calling for it. That violates every rule of of warfare. It is the height of immorality and the fact that the United Nations uh, entity for gender equality and women empowerment has been silent. The UN Committee on elimination of discrimination against women has been silent, and the international Me Too movement has perhaps, had a Perhaps the reason they've been silenced is for the same reason that you just described. They don't want to exacerbate. Well, they don't want to exacerbate. <laughs> These hags who never stop running their mouth, they just aren't speaking up against the rapes going on over there from the terrorists because they don't want to exacerbate it. Really? Yeah, that's not it. I don't think that's it. Uh, no, I don't think that's it at all. I think it doesn't fit with the with the false narrative that they're pushing out about the pro-Hamas and pro-Palestinians. They're the victims. Mm-hmm. And that what yep. happened on October 7th was absolutely justified, right? These are the same people that are pushing the letter to America written by Osama bin Laden and why Osama bin Laden is so dreamy. These are the same people that put the Sarnayev kid on the cover of Rolling Stone. These are the same people that actually think that it's okay for biological males to compete against young women. These are the same people that think it's okay for biological males to share a shower room with a teenage girl, right? What's going on here is this just proves to all of you women out there, if you're a woman out there, how explain to me, help me to understand how you could ever vote Democrat because they have literally waged a war against you. That's why they're silent. Because you women out there, The communists don't care about you. They don't care about your daughters. They don't care about anything but power. And as John Guandolo and I talked about earlier on in the show, there is a partnership going on with the Islamist and the communist, just like Hitler had his little partnership and created the Muslim Brotherhood because anti-Semitism and anti-Americanism are really what it's all about because you got to get rid of us in order to pave the way for your centralized system of power. And that's what's going on. But you Democrats are too dumb to understand that at the end of the day, when it's you and an Islamist in the car, you're going to be the one to be shoved out. It's not going to be a Thelma and Louise situation where the two of you are holding hands in 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 the car. Okay. That's my take on that. Who's why is anybody still watching that show? The View? Can somebody explain that to me? They got to be paying those people to be sitting in that audience. Oh, I'm sure they're bribing people. Gift cards. Uh, who knows if iTunes still is still a thing, but there's no way people are voluntarily still going to see the view. Right. I mean, maybe four or five people. But beyond that, you know, they got to be bribing people out the wazoo. They'd have to be or they'd have to be offering me a Birkin bag. <laughs> I mean, like for real, and no, it couldn't be a fake burger. No knockoffs. I'd have yeah, no to, knockoffs. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be accepting no knockoff. Okay, and even then, it would be hard. Even if I had a real Birkin bag, is Jane Birkin still alive? She'd have to. She'd have to walk in with the Birkin bag, <laughs> right? With the papers, <laughs> hand delivered, <laughs> hand delivered by Jane Birkin herself. <laughs> Could you ever date a liberal girl? I mean, is is, no, is, I mean, is uh, no. that show yeah, is that no. show just not the perfect uh, proof that you can't date a liberal? That's woman? a litmus test. If you like the view, then I'm out. <laughs> can't do it. Yeah, yeah. There's no way. Um, all right. 
we've got hour two coming up. We've got, we've, speaking of crazy communist, uh, power mad, crazy commies, we've got to talk about Mitt Romney because he's back in the news tonight. There's also going to be a bizarre debate happening next week between Gavin Newsom and uh, uh, Florida Governor DeSantis. I'm not sure if anybody's going to bother to watch that, but we've got, it's Monday, so that means we've got Brian Maloney with his Mondays with Maloney, and he's going to help us get all the lowdown on that hoedown and what we, what we can expect next week. So stay tuned. More Andrea K. Show coming up. <laughs> 